Hello, TTB community. I'm Elliot Shibley, and welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint podcast. Each week, we like to bring you insight from travel authors, adventurers, conservationists, digital nomads, tour guides, and some of our very own personal travel experiences. Joining me today is the very gregarious Robert Domena. Thank you, Elliot. So this week, today, we have Marshall Meyer on the podcast. He is the co-founder of Let's Buy an Island, the first successful crowdfunding effort to purchase a private island. He's a world traveler with a background in launching and investing in social impact businesses, and he's bringing his finance nonprofit, emerging markets, and startup experiences to build this community on the island. We get into the culture of the island, his purchase. It, it was a really awesome, really fun conversation, and we hope you enjoy it. Before we get into the conversation, though, the travel tip of the week is when flying, only sleep when your destination is sleeping. So this is an, this one is one that, Elliot, you put in there. I don't follow this. I fall asleep. Oh, I do. Plane, absolutely. No matter what, I can't stay awake on an airplane, so I can't <laughs> do it. But it is it, it makes a lot of sense. It really is a great way to combat really? jet lag. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, lastly, before we get into it, just consider some of the cool things that we offer. How do you organize and plan your trip? So if you like to keep your trip organized like we do, you can use the travel journal and planner that we developed for our very own personal travel experiences. This will allow you to record things like the dates, the budget, the top destinations, the currency exchange rate, the time difference. It has a fillable calendar and it provides you the ability to write out your entire itinerary by the hour. In addition to that, it has a place to store reservation information, a packing list, a to-do list. And then at the very back, it offers you space to journal about your trip. You can find this travel journal planner on our products page, and once you download it, you have it forever, and you can reprint and refill it out for every trip you have moving forward. Now, if you do decide to purchase this, we encourage you to reach out to us with any tips to make it better. To help compile all of your info for the journal slash planner, we turned ourselves into cartoons to create a five-part video course that provides a step-by-step -step process to create the ultimate itinerary, including number one, navigation, number two, booking airfare, number three, blogs, research, and reviews, number four, itinerary building, and number five, safety, cultural norms, and thoughtful travel. The goal of this video tutorial is so that you can become your own personal travel agent and learn how to be plan efficient trips now and forever, all the while saving you money to splurge on a nice meal or first class seat for your next adventure. Yeah. And now, so if you still think that planning your trip is a little bit too much, or you just don't have time to sit down and actually do it, I can personally plan your trip for you using all the information that we just mentioned. If you're interested in this, please send me an email at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com or visit our services pages on our website, and we can meet over Zoom to discuss the details of your trip. You want to contribute to the podcast? If you work in the travel industry, you can join us for a travel roundtable discussion by submitting your information through the TAT form on our website. You can also send us a travel article via direct message or at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com for the monthly Travel Bites episode. Support us by wearing us. Go to redbubble.com to find awesome gear and merchandise of the Traveler's Blueprint. Some of the cost comes directly to us to help support the podcast. We definitely recommend the hoodie and the hat and maybe a sticker or a travel mug. Whether you purchase a product from us or just want to learn about travel alongside us as we interview our guests, know that we greatly value your support as a listener of the show. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Marshall, welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you bought an island. <laughs> yes, yes, I that's did. It. Well, <laughs> and I want to know, that's that's what this is going to be about today. Uh, 
why, how, what, where, and what are you doing with it currently? So I guess first, tell us a little bit about what, what planted the seed for you to buy an island. So, so I think everybody at some point in their life has had that thought of like, what if, right? What if I had a private yeah. island? What if, you know, what if I owned a castle? What if, you know, so whatever these things are, you know, that we've always had that thought and some of us never outgrew it. So uh, that's sort of how we got started. The, the why is, is why not? All right. Um, Love it. And I yeah. can tell you, I have legitimately looked at buying an island, not considered buying an island, but looked at prices of islands off of Florida and the Gulf. And it's scary. Yeah. Well, some of them aren't bad, like 200,000 for a marshland where you mm -hmm. can't really do anything. Mm -hmm. And then you have the flip side where you have maybe a half acre that's a million five that you could actually build something on. Yeah. But all right. So next question is where where is it so it's in belize okay uh because we also looked at islands off the coast of florida and we thought eh, maybe not <laughs> uh, at least not not for the first one so uh but we started looking elsewhere and, and we found belize uh through just regular research and process of, elim of elimination okay and okay so so you found this island off of the coast of belize and like how uh, is it on Zillow or something? You know, is there is there an island <laughs> version of Zillow? How do you actually? No, you you joke, but there is there is only one website we found that specifically focuses on listing private islands for sale. Um, I would tell you what it is, but I don't want to give them the benefit um, of of getting that name dropped because it is mostly or we found mostly redundant or stale or just fake postings. Interesting. Okay. Um, so, so we started there and it kind of, you know, that was literally the first place we went. We were like private islands, buying Google, right. <laughs> right. Uh, where, how, and, and this website popped up and, and we went on it and thought, okay, well, this stuff is, you know, reasonable, like you can get stuff that's reasonable. Um, and then we started looking at, uh, you know, the reality and trying to reach out to those owners and they never existed. So, so no, there isn't. And, uh, and it's actually something that I've considered with my partner sort of launching in the near future, you know, a place to list kind of unique destinations, unique, interesting properties that are not, that are less about where somebody wants to buy and more about what somebody wants to buy. Mm. Um, instead of looking at, you know, I, I need to live in this neighborhood because I like this neighborhood and the school system, you know, you've got a little extra cash and you're like, I want to buy an olive orchard. <laughs> you know, I don't really care right. where, but let's see. Yeah. 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 So, that's, that's interesting. So hopefully we can get that launched at some point. But but yeah, basically we uh, we reached out to uh, real estate agents. I mean, in, in in the six degrees of separation, you know, sort of fashion, we went to real estate agents in a few of the different countries we were looking at, and we got connected to a bunch of really cool properties. That's awesome. Okay. And, and so how did you narrow it down to this one that has been dubbed Coffee K? Yeah. So co coffee key is, is a coffee key. Yeah. Sorry. Coffee key. Yeah. Um, it, it is, it checked all the boxes first and foremost, it just checked all the boxes and it was the first Island, uh, that we stepped on when we were sort of looking around the world where you stepped on it and you just kind of know sometimes that it's, it's everything you wanted that you were looking for, you know, it's tropical, it's close to land, but not too close. 
Um, it's far from land, but not too far. <laughs> um, it is accessible. It is crucially, as you said before, with the with the marshlands you can buy in in Florida. You know, it is crucially not marshlands. It is cleared. It is filled. It has land on it that you can actually stand on. <laughs> yes, use. that's important. And that and that's kind of you know, it's a it's a given when you imagine an island, but when you actually go to see them, uh, you know, a lot of these islands out there that are available are, are swamps. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had looked at properties in, by the time we saw this one, uh, Malaysia, Philippines, Estonia, Ireland, Panama, US, Canada, Belize, like, like 20 in Belize and a handful of others. I think Kenya at one point, there was, there was a lot of islands that we saw that were listed and we, we, we sent people there because we have the advantage of having over 130 investors who are in 30 or 40 different countries around the world. So, so there's always somebody who was sort of near enough that they could go check it out. And, and again, this one just checked the boxes. It, it wasn't, you know, we found a great property in Ireland, loved it, four acres, big size, could do a lot of stuff on it. It's right near this really cool um, kind of summer town, uh, but it's, you know, it's a temperate zone, right? And for your first private island, you kind of want it to be tropical. Uh, we had this island in the Philippines, 36 acres, gigantic huge has a mountain in the middle um and honestly i'd still like to buy it at some point but but as far as the first project goes most of our investors were kind of on the western hemisphere or in the northern hemisphere and kind of getting to the philippines was a little tough for a lot of them and also from a legal structure perspective it's just a little bit more complicated for the philippines it's doable but it's a little more complicated for foreign investment uh but belize checked all those boxes and everything we were looking for and a legal sort of framework that works because they have a very straightforward system where you just sort of buy the land from the owner and it gets registered centrally and like that's it which again you would think is a given if you're not buying property internationally from the u.s yeah um but it's it's not in a lot of countries so you, you often have to go through sort of hoops to uh to buy property so in this case it kind of just was an easy process it was exactly what we were looking for that's <laughs> So when you say we first, are you referring to investors or do you have a core team that you, you worked with? Well, both. Um, I've got, uh, a, we have a board of three. Um, it's myself, um, my partner, Gareth, and, and my partner, Jody. And the, the, they're both British. Uh, Jody lives in London. Gareth is in Asia. And we sort of built the company itself. Uh, but then we have 130 or so investors who started off, you know, early stages were friends and family, and now uh, they're sort of new friends. (laughs) Um, But we've made sure that sort of as we bring people in, we get everyone introduced to each other. So nobody's kind of a stranger. We're just investing in a faceless company. We want people to be a part of that community. And as a result, we've been able to get them involved in the project. So we have, um, you know, a guy who's an engineer in Belize, an American guy lives in Belize as an engineer. Um, We've got, you know, people who are, you know, aspiring dive masters who want to run, you know, uh, diving trips off the island. We've got people who are working construction, some, you know, people in Australia who just, you know, have to- told me multiple times, like, oh, I would just love to go live on the island because I want to be kind of the camp mom and just like take care of it and just hang out, you know? So, so any, anywhere in the middle, you know, we have just this, this crazy collection of investors with interesting skill sets that have contributed to this project. So do you need a landscape architect? Uh, I mean, yeah, we're kind of at that stage. You want to help us design our beach? I could, yeah. I'm not. Um, I, w- I will say I'm talk. not licensed in Belize. It's okay. Neither am I. 
that's it, this is fascinating. So tell us when you actually purchased the island mm-hmm. and what has occurred between then and now. And then I want to jump into your future plans. Sure. So we found the island in at the end of 2018. We spent a year negotiating the price down. <laughs> And Can you tell us what the price was? So sure. So the asking price when we first got there was about 350, 360K. Okay. And we bought it for 180K. Wow. That's good so negotiating. That's why it took a year. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we we did that for a while. And and not only did we we um agree to purchase the island at that at that point, but we didn't actually have all of the cash we needed to purchase it at that point. So part of those negotiations was we also negotiated a one-year payoff for the island. Okay. So we did it in three stages over over twelve months, and that was uh, crucial for us because we were, you know, we had the price we wanted. And we needed a little bit of a push to make it happen. So found the island twenty eighteen December twenty eighteen, purchased it in December twenty nineteen, paid it off December twenty twenty, and you may have noticed there was a bit of a pandemic in the middle. There. I did notice that. Yeah. 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 So so we had the advantage of a lot of momentum kind of going into March mm-hmm. <laughs> after we had sort of made this purchase. We had, you know, signed all the paperwork. We were just doing the paydowns. People were jumping on board. Oh, this is so exciting. We love this. Let's get you, you know, you know, let's let's invest. We'll build it up, et cetera, et cetera. And then the world ended quickly. <laughs> yep. And and you know, you guys are travelers. You get it. Like, yeah, it just everything stopped. Yeah, and and I, I mean, I I at least got to explore the U.S. for once, which was nice. I got to road trip around for a little bit, and you know, but but going internationally just kind of ended. And Belize's tourism is is a huge part of that business, you know, for them, and uh, and that died too. So it was it was really a sad time, and and we lost a lot of momentum. And then sort of as we're pulling out of this. Uh, you know, crazy time and most of the world is reopening and people are getting vaccinated. And now it's just a matter of like, we're all going to get it at some point, but it'll be mild at least, <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's the stage we're all kind of in where uh, people are just ready to get out there. And the idea of having a private property that is yours and set away from the world and COVID free <laughs> for now, for now. Uh, is, is a really exciting thing. That is really cool. So in terms of location, if you're looking at this, you can actually Google search it. And Mm -hmm. I found it pretty easily. And it's right off the coast of Belize City, like north, northeast. And it it looks very, very, uh, well, even your picture, your Zoom background is Coffee Key, right? Yes, yes, Is that looking north? Yeah, it's looking north. So so from the south part of the island, which is, I guess, in front of me with the Zoom perspective, is mangroves okay for a small portion of it and it's kind of nice because it shields i mean you don't get to see much of belize city from where you are but it shields what little bit you can see uh from sight so it it really just creates that illusion i mean there's a reality to it too because you're on an island but that illusion of being completely and utterly you know alone and then on the north side of the island which is open which you can see in, in my zoom background is just a huge open expanse of of ocean and it goes right towards the belize barrier reef and the open sea is are those clouds or mountains those are clouds okay all right i was going to say because i didn't think there was that that big of a mountain north of (laughs) no that's that those are clouds and uh and yeah there's there's nothing past there if you just go directly 
in that direction, it's just open sea. You you pass you pass the barrier reef and then you can hit the actual waves okay. um, because we're inside that reef. So we have a very kind of calm water um, and relatively little rise and fall of the tides too, which is nice. That is really nice. So I'm I'm really curious with these investors, what do a what were you seeking for the investors? to accomplish and what do the investors get as part of this investment? Sure. So actually, I just got a question about this from, from our, one of our latest investors who uh, was suddenly concerned that with so many people, she wouldn't be able to experience the island as much as, you know, she wanted to. And, uh, and I wrote this whole write-up for her. Uh, basically, our, I mean, we're raising money because this is a business and we need the money to A, build, I mean, first buy, we bought, now build, and then operate a business, right? We want tourists to come down. We want them to stay with us on our island. We want them to enjoy food from our little restaurant and little bar. And we want to, you know, have them sunning on our beach and, you know, launching dive trips from there and going sailing and whatever else they want to do. Uh, so that would be, you know, that's the ideal. So for investors, that's part of it is you get to invest in that business and hopefully Fingers crossed, as we start to make a little bit of money, we can pay a little bit in dividends back to our investors and they can make some money back, right? Life is good. Uh, but that's not the primary reason why most of our investors have come to us. The primary reason is the reason we're talking is that it's a lifestyle aspect to it. Is like you own a private island, you get to be a part of that. And, and so we've, um, what we've you know, sort of landed on is that our investors will have you know, unlimited access to the island, obviously, to just come and visit. Uh, if they want to stay, we'll have sort of the rooms that are available to the public will be available pretty much at cost for them, uh, just so that we're not losing money, but, you know, just so that it's, it's affordable and, and easy to get to. And eventually we'll, we'll bill as soon as budgets permit, um, kind of an investor only cabin, like two or three bedrooms, you know, just in the back um, of the island that's, you know, private for investors to come and stay for free so long as, you know, no one else has booked it. Uh, so it's, it's more just a matter of people finding the time that's like, you know, trying to plan a little bit in advance, but being able to come down and be able to stay in your island and enjoy it yeah. um, you know, properly, which I think is a, a nice lifestyle benefit. Interesting. All right. Yeah, so absolutely. now I'm curious on the the building aspect of an island. Mm -hmm. um, a, the the first things I think of are freshwater and are waste, human waste. Mm -hmm. What? How is that addressed with, and I forget if you mentioned this in the beginning, but how big is the island again? So the island is only an acre and a half, okay. which sounds small, but it's a lot bigger than you think. It is, yeah. Um, and and it's important to remember too that as we build out, we can, under Belize law, actually expand the the, the island a little bit because you can create kind of a an erosion setback to protect your titled property mm -hmm. so that, you know, if the water starts coming in, it's eroding something that's not technically yours. So we wouldn't actually own the land if we built it out, but because we're the only land that touches that land, we effectively get to use it as if it's ours, um, it. but it's technically public. So, okay. so we, we can expand it. And, and we did out sort of a rough calculation that if we did that, we'd have about three acres, but you know, an acre and a half buildable. Yeah. So, uh, so that's the first part. The second part is, is building and you mentioned, uh, drinking water and waste. Yep. And I say, why can't you just drink your waste? You know? And so that, that's how <laughs> <Okay>. we, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, no, no legit, but there is, I mean, Costa Rica, there are several, um, like sustainable communities that will do that. Will they, they will recycle their, at least their, um, 
solid waste into energy and then their liquid waste. And you can actually process that into a form of gray water that you can either use to farm or uh, I think if you process it enough, you can actually consume it again, but it's not ideal. Right. So, so I'm glad you said that because there are solutions out there. And so what I wanted to say, which I think is, is really cool, and you hit the nail right on the head, is we're working on, we're actually building a partnership with this really interesting company in Mexico called ArcSpace um, that is specializing in off or off-site constructed or prefabricated um, uh, off-grid housing. And Very cool. So, so they will basically be able to build something out. And if we can finalize our partnership in terms of the buildings as well, they'll be able to build stuff out, you know, offsite, truck it to Belize, put it on a barge, bring it out, crane it in, ready to go. Right. That's awesome. But as far as the off grid part of it, um, there's a lot of great tech that they have too, which is, you know, in addition to just, you know, your typical solar panels, you know, for power, um, you'll also have, um, like you said, gray water and, and black water uh, recycling. Uh, which, which not just, it doesn't just sort of clear that water up so that it's usable for things like washing dishes or whatever. It also uh, just treats it so you can release it back into the, into the soil mm, okay. um, and, and help, you know, grow plants and other things. It becomes, you know, fertilizer and you know, nutrient rich kind of, you know, released back into the soil. Uh, as far as drinking water goes, we have desalination options. Um, we have a, a fallback, which is that Belize has 350 privately owned islands and uh, there's a pretty good system of water delivery where a boat will just come out once a month with a huge tank and just pump water into your tank for oh, drinking nice. water. But the way I want to go, which I think is really cool, is there's actually panels you can buy now, put on the side of your buildings, and they will extract water from the moisture in the air. Oh, and nice. In a place I have like seen Belize, one of these panels can pull something like 20 liters a day or something like that oh, um, so cool. of drinking water. So, uh, you know, even in the desert, they can pull, you know, a liter a day out of the, out of the air. So, so that is kind of ideally where we'd like to go so that our drinking water is just kind of always replenished and always there. And um, then you've got rainwater collection, which will be plenty for cooking, cleaning, showering, you know, et cetera, you know, filling the toilets. <laughs> um, and then, like I said, you know, uh, treatment of, of your waste and sort of released it back into the soil. So it's, it's a really cool kind of life cycle solution that yeah. we have, um, you know, working with this company, ArcSpace, and trying to figure out exactly how we can make that happen. Uh, but it's, it's all possible. And, yeah. then, and then as far as other off-grid stuff, I mean, we, we're lucky because we're close to Belize City. We get LTE service from the city. So getting internet will be a little easier than, you know, you might think. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh uh, aside from that, we have um, a pretty steady wind coming out of the east side of the island. So having um, uh, wind power of some sort um, may be possible as well. This is fascinating. I know. So the, the ultimate goal to be a completely self-sustaining island, is that the end game? And uh, if so, do you even do you have a timeline at this point of when you think you'll be fully operational? Uh, so yes, the, the end goal is to be fully self-sustaining. Um, I would love to even have you know, a small sort of urban farm kind of solution, just given the amount of space we have, you know, so that we, that most of our, at least greens are grown on the island. We were joking about how we're supposed to mow the grass and other things if we, you know, if we start growing that stuff. And we agreed that we would just get a goat yes. <laughs> so yeah. that they would, yes. so we could just wander around <laughs> yeah. and graze all day. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, a great solution. Yeah. yeah. So, so that is the idea. We want to be fully self-sustaining as much as possible. Um, 
we, uh, you know, uh, we're even looking into, and it may not be possible, unfortunately, right away, but we're looking into sort of early profits, um, spending that on things like an electric motor for our boat. So we're not gas guzzling in the water um, as well. You know, if we're going to, if we're going to preach it, we want to be, you know, a part of that yeah. uh, solution. Uh, so yeah, and, and not just self-sustaining, we want to be a net positive, I think, for for the neighborhood, if you will, um, which for us is the water. So uh, we've, we've also looked into um, projects uh, that we'd love to get started with the Belizean government, um, where we would love to bring on Belizean artists to build, you know, interesting sculptures that we can lower into the water that will attract coral to them oh, yeah. and, and create homes for fish and other things to sort of grow, create a diving spot that people can come and you can promote conservation and, and, um, and uh, you know, show people how you can actually rebuild coral reefs and then creating other sort of much cheaper artificial reefs that you can make in mass and just drop daisy chain along the floor, you know, which produced hundreds of pounds of fish a year per, you know, and I'm talking like a three foot diameter structure, yeah. uh, you know, can produce hundred pounds of fish a year and it's like 50 bucks to make. So, you know, if you just think about the cost benefit of that in terms of investment in the structure, the benefit of having people go be able to go dive there and see some cool coral, um, as well as some cool fish, producing 100 pounds of fish a year that can then, you know, a percentage of which eventually get caught by local fishermen is, and can contribute back to the pollution economy and, and having, you know, a rejuvenation of those fish populations. I mean, it's, it's, those are the sorts of things we want to get involved in long term that really sort of go from us being sort of a participant in the community to being a contributor to it. Yeah. yeah. So this is, this is really curious for me because I, when I was in college, I did my, my bachelor's in landscape architecture, but at the same time I did a bachelor's in geography, which focused mm -hmm. on not more, not so much the social aspect of geography, but more the um, environmental aspect and mm -hmm. sustainable aspect of geography. So one of the guys we learned about is David Holmgren, who came up with this idea of permaculture along with Bill Morrison mm -hmm. and, or Bill Mollison. And this concept is basically you have uh, the uh, permanent agriculture. So you're not doing or annual plants. You have this canopy or tiered structure of a farm where you can grow stuff on the ground. Then you've got like your mid-story plants like figs, and then you got your larger trees that produce other fruits and it's all about this sustainable uh self-contained design it's it's yeah. awesome so there's tons of stuff in like southwest us in the desert they're called like earth ships and they're completely self-sustained made from recyclable materials so this stuff is always very interesting to me beyond the aspect i mean you tie that into the travel aspect of it being an island off of belize it's just so very fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And, and and Marshall, can you give us a brief history? We may we may, I mean we could have I guess done it in the beginning, but I'm curious to see how you got to where you are with this island. Yeah, we may have jumped you, the gun on that. <laughs> we did jump the gun a little bit, but I, I think it's still fine to to fit it in right here because um, as we're talking about your plans for this island, which are about being a self sustaining community, how how. Did you get to this point? You know, what were you doing before this that, that ultimately led you down this road? So, I mean, Jody Gareth and myself are all, uh, you know, sort of committed to this idea of sustainability. We all kind of got there in different ways. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, Jody at one, you know, a few years back, you know, uh, decided to go vegan and she started sort of, you know, being just more aware of what she was doing in terms of 
um, you know, health and diet and exercise and all that stuff. And, 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 uh, you know, I don't know if that was the genesis or it was just sort of a result of kind of this awareness about the environment and trying to be sort of a little bit more, uh, you know, eco-friendly. I haven't been able to make that jump because frankly, I like bacon too much. Um, but I see you both nodding your head like, yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, bacon's right, good. Yeah. Bacon's good. Um, <laughs> um, but, but, uh, you know, that was sort of, you know, part of her journey and other things, you know, uh, Gareth has been living, um, in China and now Cambodia, um, since the pandemic for, uh, you know, 15 years or so, he's been, you know, sort of on that side of the world and seen firsthand exactly what, you know, an, an industrial revolution does to the skies and, and, uh, you know, and to, to the cars and, <laughs> and to your, the air that you breathe. And, and I've lived in China as well, actually for a short time. And there were days when I would walk, I mean, we're literally three blocks or even less one block, you know, from, you know, a taxi to my office in Shanghai. And I would walk into the room just drenched in sweat. And it's not because it's 90 degrees out, it's because it's 90 degrees and 100% humidity. And you can't even open your mouth to breathe because you're breathing in soot, you know? So it's, it's, really, it's really awful. So, you know, that was sort of his world. And then uh, for me, I sort of really jumped into it um, about 10 years ago, I was in the Philippines. And I went down there after Typhoon Haiyan, which at the time was the, uh, actually, I think it still is the strongest storm to ever make landfall. And it wiped out a huge swath of the central part of the Philippines. And I went down there to try to volunteer and help out a little bit. And it kind of spiraled out of control. And uh, I ended up bringing 60 volunteers with me. Uh, and like $100,000 in relief funds. Like I didn't actually mean to. We joke that we kind of stumbled ass backwards into, uh, you know, starting our own charity uh, because we, we didn't actually intend to. And what was supposed to be a four-week trip turned into a two-year project. And we basically, we, we built a charity from scratch. We, you know, got our, you know, nonprofit status in the U.S. We, um, uh, we started rebuilding homes for typhoon victims and rebuilding schools, but we also got into marine restoration, uh, beach cleanups, and uh, you know, you know, teaching people about recycling, you know, things like yeah. that to try to you know help the community become, you know, more resilient to a lot of the societal ills that they already had. And we were trying to do it from sort of the teach a man to fish method, you know, without lecturing, without you know, just just sort of by example and showing people sort of what the possibilities were, and. And that's where I really got into it because the Philippines is just this unbelievable place of natural beauty. And then, you know, seeing when you, when you go to a beach that looks pretty pristine, right? A very nice white sand beach. And you just start looking around for some of the trash and you just start picking up some of the trash. And then you find what looks like, oh, a trash bag. You know, it's just kind of sticking a little bit out of the sand and you start pulling on it and you start pulling on it. And then you find that there is literally, and this is not a joke, you know, we'd find thousand pound piles of garbage just under this, what looked like a pristine beach, just, you know, taking up all the space of any of the creepy crawly things that live under the beach, you know, and, and, you know, seeping plastics into the, into the ocean. And we would pull those out. And so every Sunday we would go and do these beach cleanups with a bunch of kids and, you know, people in the neighborhood. And we would, we would pull, you know, 18, 20, 25 truckloads worth of garbage out of, you know, one, you know, thousand foot stretch of beach. I mean, it was just, just insane. And, and that was sort of where it you know, clicked for me that, you know, it's, we can't all be the person, we can't all fix the world, but we can at least do our best to not make it worse. Mm -hmm. And, and, 
in your small way, if you have the ability, I think it's also your responsibility to sort of help contribute to the slow revitalization of the earth as well. And, uh, and so, you know, that's, that was, that was my, you know, thinking and, uh, you know, I, so I, it just never occurred to me when, when we were talking about how to build this island, it never occurred to me, we could get a generator, you know, uh, like I, I will drive a ga gas car on occasion, but like my parents on electric cars, my, you know, my dad works in, uh, solar and, uh, you know, other sustainable sort of areas, uh, and puts in electric car chargers and other things and on the side of the road. Um, you know, I, I live in New York and try to take, you know, mass transit where I can, because I don't want to be, you know, necessarily, uh, you know, driving anywhere partially because it's New York. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, I got myself one of those electric scooters to get around most places. Uh, you know, I just, I, I just think, you know, whatever you can do to kind of not be more of a burden to the world is, is helpful. And so if we're going to do this, we're in this beautiful, pristine place. We want to make it as beautiful and pristine as, as it is and, and leave it better than when we found it. I love that. I'm really glad that you just took the opportunity to say that all because <clears throat> at face value, you could see a headline. It's like, you know, some guy from the United States buys an island and you're like, oh, you know, some rich guy is just buying an island that whatever. And, and you sort of scroll past it. It doesn't have as much meaning, but hearing this and seeing what your ultimate plans are and how you're promoting sustainable education and all these different things really just add to this so much and just make it such an incredible project. And it's really, it's really amazing stuff. Well, I'm curious because of what Bob just brought up. Do you plan to make this an educational opportunity for for universities or high school kids to oh, absolutely. come visit and absolutely. maybe like a one week service learning to either help build some of the uh, aspects that make it sustainable, or at least once it's built, learn about the systems in place and just get benefit from it that way. Absolutely. And we, we look at this as a pilot project for, um, for numerous properties like this that we can do around the world. But part of that, uh, that model is that we want to make sure wherever those properties are, they are a showcase for what could be. Mm -hmm. And, and so, yeah, we would love to take, you know, school trips down and, um, you know, university students and anyone, you know, studying, you know, so whatever it is, sustainable architecture or just sustainability in general, um, marine restoration or marine biology you know, to come down and see what you can do with, you know, some limestone and cement in the water to create, you know, you know, uh, a home for, for new fish. And the possibilities there are incredible. And, um, you know, Bob, to your point, the, uh, you know, you, you see this story and I, and I know what you mean where, where people look at it and go, oh, okay, it's another rich white person doing whatever. And, and, uh, and I've seen so many of those comments actually. And when we had sort of a recent media storm and, and uh, uh, I remember there was a CNN article and, and there were all these comments on it and I opened it up. And I think one of the first comments I saw was, oh no, the white men are white manning again. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, and that was, that was sort of, I kept myself from it because I didn't want to be the person who was responding to all of the negative comments and whatever, because there's always trolls. Um, you know, and I wasn't going to be the guy who goes, yeah, actually we're like, I think it's almost 50, 50, probably like 40 ish percent female in terms of investor base. And we're based in 30 or 40 countries. I think it's a fairly diverse group of people. Um, but you know, that's besides the point. Uh, and the fact that we're trying to be sustainable is besides the point. And the fact that we are, uh, you know, sort of, we haven't quite touched on it, but that we've sort of in a tongue in cheek way looked at this as kind of like a micronation project kind of independence kind of yes. thing. You know, we're not foolish. We know we're in Belize, like, you know, but that 
was what people really latched onto and sort of on the media side. And, uh, and that, you know, that's also kind of besides the point, we just want to make sure that people know that like we are there to be a net positive. We are not extracting from a community. We're not there to steal money from Belizeans. Uh, you know, we're there to contribute money to the Belizean economy <laughs> and to, you know, pay our taxes and to be a part of it uh, because we want to, you know, we want to see the whole country succeed because uh, their success is ours as well. So, so it's just, it, it was interesting because those sorts of comments were both funny and hurtful at the same time. Yeah. But, but, you know, we know where we are. We know what our sort of uh, values are and what our stance are. So, so it doesn't bother us too much in the end. Yeah. Well, that's good. It, you're going to have those comments no matter how perfectly you, you work through this project. But um, I, do, I do now want to get into the community aspect of it yeah. and the community <laughs> aspect of it a little bit. And so I know we talked about the infrastructure, but I'm curious, you know, what is your vision? You know, you finally you're done. Let's just say you finished, the island is running and you wake up out of your, you know, your, your bed. And what do you walk out and see and what do you experience and who are the people there and what are they mm -hmm. doing? And just take us through your vision. What is it? What is, what is the end game like? Sure. So, so I would say, you know, what happens you, I want you to wake up in the morning. I want you to go outside your room. You'll have a little you know, balcony, ideally a little private space that you can hang out in, enjoy your morning cup of coffee. And, and you're looking out over palm trees and mangroves and, you know, just a little bit of wind coming across the island. Uh, you know, a nice white sand beach where, where, you know, again, just looking at my zoom background, this, uh, these, these sticks you see behind me are palmetto sticks and they're there to a sort of a cheap form of erosion control. And obviously, as you can see, this hasn't worked fully, um, but that's because the, the distance between those has eroded over 15, 20 years since they were last put say, in. They look pretty old. Right. So we're going to be putting, yeah, you, it actually was, was, was uh, pretty full across uh, when we first saw it three, four years ago, and then you know, now they're all rotting. Um, but we're going to put in sort of a seawall there and fill it with sand so you have a nice white sand beach. Um, you know, that you look out. And so that's sort of that relaxing aspect of it, of just being able to wake up in the morning and, you know, get that salty air and, and walk out and enjoy, you know, a beach and get a tan and, and chill. Uh, I don't know about you though. I can't do that all day. Like I'm not that person. I know there's some people who can literally just sit on a beach for three days and be like, yeah, I'm happy. I haven't done anything. Mm, I've read seven no books. <laughs> um, you know, I, I can't, I can't do it. I got my PhD this weekend because I was on a beach and bored. Um, <laughs> Um, but, but no, I, I, I couldn't do that. And so what we also want to have is, is, you know, we'll have a small restaurant place that, you know, you can eat and enjoy, you know, a bar if you want to grab a beer. Uh, but then we'll also have ideally, you know, a badminton court or, you know, or something like that, you know, tetherball, whatever it is, you know, you can play, uh, you know, games. Um, I would love to set up a driving range. Um, I understand there's little golf balls you can get that turn into fish food. Yeah. And, and so we could sell those <laughs> by the pocket awesome. and, just, and just have like a driving range out into the water and just, you know, just hit balls, you know, as much as you want, because they're going to break up in a day and become fish food. It's uh, golf, golf. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, right. G -U -F. Is that, is that a company or did you just come up with that on your own? Because I just came up with that. I'm stealing that. <laughs> <laughs> Go that's fantastic yeah. um yeah I, I understand it's a thing that like uh like I, I don't usually go on cruises but apparently cruise ships um you know have that that you can sort of 
you know, do the driving range off the back of the cruise ship because why not? And, uh, and it always, you know, and it just becomes fish food. So, you know, there's things like that, but we also want to do diving. We've got, you know, the blue hole, which is one of the coolest diving spots in the world is, you know, less than an hour um, east of us. There's uh, other incredible diving along the barrier reef, which we've talked about, which is the second largest barrier reef in the world, um, you know, after Australia, and it's much better preserved and, you know, isn't, you know, bleached, you know, white or, or falling apart. It's, it's still has these incredibly vibrant areas. Wait, where is, uh, we, you said that, that the really deep hole is an hour east of you? Yeah, the blue hole. What? That's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I've been, I've been going back and forth to Belize for four years now. I've never been to the Blue Hole, never been to the Mayan ruins, never gone to the, the rainforest, <laughs> never, never went caving because every time I go, I go out, I go out looking for islands. <laughs> but oh, that's but I know a bunch of people who went recently and they, they just, they were absolutely blown away by it. And I've seen all the pictures and yeah. I'm dying to go as soon as I have that's a minute. really cool. Um, so with this, with this micro nation concept that you discussed yeah. earlier, this, this geographer in me is also really interested in, right. um, I, you, it is kind of a tongue in cheek thing that, like you mentioned, but mm -hmm. what are some of the ideals? I mean, it seems like a great way to kind of establish something with the diversity of your investors. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. I mean, I, I, I look at it as, as a community first and foremost, you know, a remote one, but still a community. Uh, the micronation aspect, um, just for anyone who hasn't been following, basically what happened was we decided that this island would be part of a fake nation that doesn't exist called the Principality of Islandia. And, and you know, not a very creative name. It's an island. We called it Islandia. And, um, and it wasn't until later that we realized that Islandia is also Iceland in Spanish, but that's besides the point. So, uh, so you know, we we named it this because we wanted it to be uh, sort of part of this interesting online community. And, and, you know, you two may have actually been to a few micronations. If you've ever been to like Copenhagen, they've got Christiania there, um, which considers itself a micronation. Uh, Ujupis and Vilnius considers itself a micronation. Both of them are basically artist communities that, that just make like crafts and stuff and, yeah. and uh, sell them to tourists. Uh, the most famous micronation in the world is Sealand, and they're the only ones that have some form of a legitimate claim to anything. Yeah. Uh, but they're literally just a platform in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, and that's, so, they're off of the coast of the UK. Yeah, they're between England and France. They were. It was originally a radio relay station during the war, and they were, uh, uh, and then it was abandoned after the war. And and in the '60s, during the pirate radio era, uh, the uh, I think it's Roy Petty Bates. I want to say is his name. He uh, he came out and and landed there and and started a radio station and then declared it its own country. And they have by accident kind of de facto recognition from both the UK and Germany um, because the UK tried to reclaim Sealand back during the prior radio days. And it went to court and the Supreme Court of the United Kingdom basically said, uh, you have no, we have no claim over this. It's in international waters and you can't just, open, you can't just extend your territory because it bothers you. Yeah. Right? And, and so, you know, basically recognizing according to Sealand that they were legitimate. Um, and then Germany sent an ambassador there once to negotiate the release of a hostage during a really interesting um, coup that took place, which might've been staged, might not have been staged, but involved some hostage taking. 
Um, and there's actually supposedly a movie coming out about it soon, I heard recently. But basically what happened was the, uh, the prince and princess of Sealand, the, the rulers, were on vacation overseas in England to see some family. <laughs> and, uh, and some Dutch and German businessmen landed on Sealand and claimed it the Republic of Sealand and decided that they were going to sort of just throw a coup over this place the size of two tennis courts. And they uh, named one of them the prime minister or something like that. And then that was it. So the prince and princess of Sealand hired some people and they got a helicopter. And in the middle of the night, they landed on Sealand. They uh, snuck up on the usurpers. They locked them in a room. <laughs> and they held them prisoner. And supposedly, I guess what happened was that the Germany sent an ambassador to negotiate their release. Oh, and, and, as a, and, and so Sealand says, you know, arguably that they, uh, you know, got recognition from Germany. I mean, I've totally digressed and I realized that. No, but, this, but it's so interesting. Like Sealand <laughs> sure. is a fascinating place in and of itself, but these migration right. concepts are absolutely intriguing because and from a geography and a sociology aspect because of their separation, but they're almost like pseudo independence. Um, but I guess in, and Bob kind of alluded to this, but in once you have uh, coffee key established, it sounds like coffee key is not the end though. Like you'd be looking to do more, uh, I guess, crowdsourced islands like this island mm -hmm. nations, micro nations, and would they all fall under this principality of Islandia? Uh, yes, yes, they would. And, and I think that's, that's part of the excitement of it. There's, we can sort of build this out into a number of different properties around the world. And at no point do we expect to actually declare or receive any form of independence like Sealand. You know, we are fully aware of where we are and enjoying our time in Belize and, and want to be a contributing member to Belize. But we do like the idea of having sort of this tongue in cheek community of people who support us. And, you know, we have 600 plus citizens, you know, now for our little community um, from, I actually haven't done a count, but I would guess probably 50, 60 countries, you know, uh, you know I just, I saw one come in from Nepal the other day, uh, actually a really interesting email. He's a NASA um, asteroid hunter, I guess. And uh, I was just really interested in it, but, you know, I, you know, I have stuff come in from Nepal. We have people coming, you know, from, you know, Argentina and, you know, and everywhere in between. Um, you know, and, and our investors, you know, are on every continent but Antarctica, and so are our, um, you know, citizens. That's so cool. Yeah. I think, I, I love the idea of having this, you know, country, you know, you're, being your own country. And it just enhances the sense of community that, the, that, that your investors, that you, that everybody who is participating in this project will have. It, it, it's great. And I went on your website and I saw you have a flag. I love the flag. I think it's a great flag. Whoever designed it, like, is it the sun? So the flag is is an interesting design. It's a bit of a sore spot because I proposed a very different design and I was outvoted. But the uh, it's supposed to be a sun, um, the sky, and the sky and or the water, and then a beach and or a beach towel is the idea. Okay. So it, it's a little bit about the sort of the tongue in cheek aspect of it and other things. Yeah, and and I see you can actually buy passports, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, citizen. IDs, yeah, you, you I guess. get citizenship. We're we're doing IDs for citizens as well, um, and uh, at some point we may we may issue sort of novelty passports as well. That's really cool. 
This is so, so. This is such an interesting conversation. <laughs> yeah. Are you still accepting investors for for the island, or is that done? And you'll be looking on to the next one soon. So, so yeah. I mean, yes and no. We uh, we still have a few shares that are being processed, but they're spoken for. So effectively, we've we've stopped taking investors. We have a waiting list as well. Um, but we are absolutely encourage people to reach out to us. Um, we have contact pages on our website, and um, you can reach out to me personally too, Marshall at letsbuyanisland.com. And the uh, the next project we'll be announcing soon. Um, it will likely be another island project, but but uh, we want to go a little bit bigger, um, do something a little bit more ambitious, and um, you know we'd love for as many people you know to join us as possible. So we're just working on sort of building out what that's going to look like, the legal structure of it. Uh, you know, how we're going to issue all the equity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we want to sort of focus on a more, um, you know, crowdfunding basis. So we're currently in talks with a number of sort of the equity crowdfunding platforms that are out there and and uh, uh, getting, you know, trying to build that up uh, to scale a little bit more now that we have a bit more recognition and we've actually accomplished some stuff, which I think is is very, very cool. Yeah. 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 It's becoming like you're proving the concept. Yeah, that's absolutely. exactly it. So that's, that's exactly it. That's Ellie. That, I mean, that's a great question uh, to segue into because I do want to ask you for just general advice for those of the, those people who may be listening uh, who want to follow in similar footsteps to your own. Because I, I think it's, again, really important to highlight the foundation of this project, which is being sustainable. I think mm-hmm. that's so important. And for those who have similar ambitions, what would you say to those people that, that are at the very beginning? They haven't even taken the first step. So, you know, I've actually spoken to a few of those people recently and they've reached out basically asking that question, you know, how do I get started? What do I do? And what I've told them is, is, is the same thing I'll tell you, which is, you know, look, we're an open book. You know, we recognize, like nothing we're doing here is, trademarked or, you know, there's no intellectual property here or anything else. Uh, you know, we reached out to a bunch of people and we said, we've got a great idea. We want to make this happen. And they supported us. And I think that's you know an incredible thing. If somebody else wants to do that, and we hope that people do, because we would love for this to become a thing, <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's great. And, and I've told people who have reached out to me and said, look, you know, you've basically got three options. If you want to sort of you know, from my perspective, at least, you know, one is you do it yourself, right? You raise the money, uh, you know, either you, you know, have your own money or you raise it, uh, you know, you, you, you spend it, you build on it, you do your thing, you run the business, right? That's, that's you. You know, the other one is uh, you find, you know, you raise the money and then you find a management company or something, you know, and we'd be happy to do it, you know, to who will help you sort of build that out, uh, you know, if you're funding it. But that way you get to keep the equity, you get to keep you know, ownership of the whole project and you're just sort of letting somebody else manage it for a fee. Uh, but it still kind of, you know, from a financial perspective, might make more sense for you to sort of still have that ownership. And then the, la- the third option, you know, which, which we would of course love is come support us, right? Like we're doing cool projects like this. So hop on board, right? Take a share, take two shares, whatever it is, and be you know, be a part of these really cool projects. And, and we're looking at doing much more than islands. You know, for us, like you said, it's a proof of concept. <clears throat> the island stuff is great because it's, it's, it's a lifestyle part. It's, it's part of, you know, uh, a childhood dream for a lot of people. It's, it, you know, it's a place that you can go on vacation. It's very accessible from the U.S., from Canada, from Mexico. 
or if we get our next island in the Philippines, you know, from anywhere in Asia or whatever it is, that's all awesome. Uh, but we're also looking at things like down the road, let's buy a castle, let's buy a vineyard, let's buy a brewery, right? Let's buy a town. Like a ghost town, not like an actual, I'm not going to like go to your parents' hometown and be like, hey, we're buying this, surprise. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, but like we, a ghost town, you can rebuild can it and sort of bring people back in and sort of revitalize an area. You know, there's yeah. really cool stuff that you can do with these sort of with the power of this community um, that we're building. So we would love for people to get involved. And that's sort of, you know, your third option is like, come join us. Uh, but if but if you're interested and, in, you know, if anyone is interested uh, in doing this themselves and they want to either do it on their own or just with a little bit of help and nudging or maybe some management or whatever, reach out to us as well. You know, we're, we're happy to sort of share our uh, secrets because they're not really secrets. <laughs> so, I, right. I, 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 yeah. Um, well, if you're ever in Philly and if I'm ever in New York, I really want to have a uh, conversation over a few beers because this is, I could talk about this stuff for days. Yeah, no, absolutely. And please reach out to me if you're ever in New York. My grandfather lives in uh, Jenkintown, so I'll uh, I'll be in Philly at some point in the near future. Right. Yeah, we're all nice. really close, so we definitely, we, we should we should figure something out soon. Um, Marshall, real quick, have you seen the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie? I don't know. Where I, I haven't. The there's, a new, there's a new one? Yeah, so it just, <laughs> it just came eight? out. Yeah, it, 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 I don't know. It just came out. So uh, part of the, the idea is that a bunch of influencers buy an old Western mining town. I love where it where the family of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre still live. And so all of these social media influencers and young people populate the town and, you know, all mayhem breaks loose. I, I, I love it. I love yeah, it. The idea let's, it. Buy a, <laughs> let's buy a mining town. As soon as you said, uh, you know, buy an old mining town, <laughs> unfortunately they thought it was deserted and it, it wasn't in fact fully deserted yet. So, that's where good due diligence comes in, right? Yeah. Like when you come in, you want to make sure that like, the owner has the, the deed and have to pay on their taxes, <laughs> right. that, you know, you've got the, the property lines correct, that there's no murderous families that live in the neighborhood. Yeah, you know, yeah. big one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big one, big one. Well, it's like, it seems like Microsoft, Amazon, um, a few of these huge tech companies are trying to build these smart cities of the future. And they're like mm -hmm. buying this, these massive amounts of land and coming up with concepts to literally build like a hundred to 300,000 citizen city. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen stuff like that. Meanwhile, one of our investors, and I, I won't say who, cause um, I, I don't know if you would want that, but you know, um, you know, he's a, uh, a CEO of one of these, you know, tech startups in, in um, uh, San Francisco. And uh, you know, he invested in it because he thinks it's a crazy cool project and he's trying, you know, he's always looking at ways to sort of get away from those major, you know, cities and sort of relax more and, you know, meditate and, and, yeah. you know, have, have some peace and quiet and, and be more, you know, chill. And that's where, you know, he's putting his focus, which is just really interesting. Cause like, you're right. There's, then you've got, you know, people building up these cities of the future and then also metaverse sort of pseudo cities online yeah. that, you can, that you can transport yourself to or whatever it is, you know, and, and like, you know, that's, that's all well and good, but you know, I, I try to book vacations for myself where I'm going to be away from the internet and where I'm, I'm going to be, you know, as, as much as possible, even disconnected literally from the internet, like by, like by necessity. Um, and I did a trip to Algeria. I spent a week in the desert because yeah, no internet. Um, you know, last uh, December, I went down to uh, Antarctica uh, with my fiance and, and, you know, again, no internet 10 days. And, and it's, 
partially because I think they're really cool places to go to. And that's you know, a huge part of it. But the added benefit is like getting away from it all and being separated yeah. from the world and not just, just not being sort of tied into it. And the world, the world survives. Like you don't have to read every CNN push notification that comes out on your phone, unless it's about an interesting group of people who bought an island and believe and you absolutely <laughs> have to read it. Yep, read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I mean, that, tell us now, well, where, what are your social media handles? What is your website? Where can people follow, join, learn, all that good stuff? Sure. I mean, look, everything is Let's Buy an Island. We've got letsbuyanisland.com. We're Let's Buy an Island on Twitter. Let's Buy an Island on Instagram. Uh, you can, you know, reach out to us at uh, Marshall at Let's Buy an or contact at Let's Buy an I mean, I mean, admin, just whatever, just re- reach out to pick a name and, you know, send it to Let's Buy an uh, You know, our contact page is on our website as well. You can fill out a contact form and, and just say, hey, I'm interested in your next project. You know, I'd love to be involved. Uh, and we'll make sure that everybody Great score with that. Out. Sorry? Great score with that domain name and the social yeah, media. Name. Right? That's a solid, yeah, that's a good one. It, yeah. Oh, I own, I own about 15 or 20 more letsbuyblank.com because, you know, we're, we're, we're planning ahead and, and uh, we're trying, we want to build out sort of the Let's Buy brand, um, yeah. you know, for ourselves, which I think is, is going to be a huge part of, of, uh, of the sort of future of this company generally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully um, we have you on again. I, it, it, it's been great. Um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to. And, uh, you know, I was, I was thinking actually the other day when I was, I was looking at my calendar and saw that this was coming up. I was thinking how nice it would be for us to do this on the Island. So maybe the next oh. one, when we have everything built up, let's get down to the Island yep. and we can do it sort of on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Belize has been high on my priority list actually already. Yep. So yeah, that sounds that sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's it's an incredible country, and just the, the the people are the nicest in the world. Like like, and I've I've been to some places with some really nice people. They are the nicest people in the world, I believe. Yeah. Um, and uh, just you know, beautiful weather and just incredible, and and it's so easy to get to from the U.S. It really is. That's the big thing, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's one of the big access. things. That's yeah, yeah. Um, before we let you go, well, I have one more question, Bob. And sure, sure, sure. Uh, is there good fishing? Amazing, actually. Great. Right, that's uh, all I care about. <laughs> yeah. The last, the last time we were there, um, so I actually got engaged on the island last November. Um, I went with my Congratulations. girlfriend and came back with the fiance. Thank you. And I, but she had to leave early uh, than the rest, earlier than the rest of us that were there. So we hopped in the boat. We brought her back to the mainland. And some people wanted to go take showers and stuff because there's no infrastructure yet. So they wanted to take showers and whatever. And I took her to the airport. Uh, but we left two guys on the island. <laughs> And just like stranded them there. And and they just had some fishing poles and they were just standing in the water, just sort of tossing the line in. Yeah. And we came back and they had 12 red snappers uh, in a bucket and just, and, and we were like, all right, it's barbecue time. Like, let's, let's do this. Light them up. So, so yeah, we oh, did some great. Red snappers so delicious too. Yeah. And we, yeah. we, we accidentally caught a nurse shark the other week. Uh, we released it obviously. Um, and uh, and you can get a lot of interesting stuff. There's there's you know ten or fifteen sort of fish in the area that are pretty common. So that's awesome. I love it, man. I I'm love sold. the idea. I love like the the again like the childhood dream. Like owning an island just seems so obscure. You know, as a child, it's like yeah, why not? And then as you have you know you're conformed and compacted by uh, society, it it just seems so obscure. And then here you are, you bought an island with with your team. Um, with sustainability at the forefront of everything, 
I love it. I think building this community is is awesome, man. I really, mm-hmm. yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation. So, so thank you for coming on. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, yeah. it's been a pleasure. Before we let you go, we do have a rapid fire round that we did not inform right. you of. So you okay. ready? You ready to bang no, it out? No, not even a little bit. Let's go. <laughs> so we have we have five questions to round right. out the podcast today. I'll start it off. Uh, Marshall, what comes to your mind when you hear the word travel? I uh, adventure. Love it. All right. And what is a travel book or just any book that had the biggest influence on your life? Uh, oh my God. So I, I, I would just say an author generally is Mark Twain, um, yeah. who, who I love. And I grew up reading, um, you know, adventures of Huckleberry Finn and, and Tom Sawyer, uh, and also Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's court, which I, I, I just think is hilarious. Uh, and, and all of those are sort of in their own way about adventure, about growth and, and, uh, and about unintended consequences. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's, the, that's probably where I would go. All right. Perfect. Uh, what is one practical thing travelers can do right now to enhance their next travel experience? I would encourage people to try going to places that you never would have thought you'd go. And, and I would also encourage them to do less research before going. And that's not to say not to research a place, but to go to a place, get that first impression that's fresh and without a preconceived notion and without having read up on the full history of whatever it is. And then once you start seeing all that going, okay, let me, you know, after the first day or two, say like, okay, let me sit down and figure out what I've been looking at and let's see what everyone else says, you know? But like, just just to get that feeling of, of like, of like how cool is this and I and not to really fully understand the context I think it's a really cool adventurous thing to do and uh and and I've started doing that myself because uh, I used to just sort of research to exhaustion and then show up to the place and be like oh I know everything but yeah I think you learn a lot more uh uh just sort of kind of appearing and traveling the road as opposed to reading about it it's and a- uh and it's a really interesting way to sort of get information yeah that is that's an a fascinating way to look at it because I, I didn't never realize that when you do your research, you really do form a lens that you look through your first time you step off that step out of the airport or off the train and you already have like things filtered out based on your research. Right. If you have an unfiltered lens going to, and then you take what you've learned from that trip and then apply it to yeah. the research that you're doing after you've gotten there. Yeah. I mean, they say ignorance is bliss and, and I'm not going to be somebody who like, is like, I don't think ignorance is always a good thing, but there is something yeah. really nice about having an open mind and a blank slate to just sort of absorb, you know, in a non-judgmental way or whatever, but like yeah. not to be the, uh, uh, the sort of American jerk that, you know, is such a stereotype, you know, abroad, um, you know, don't be that person, but just sort of come with an open mind and absorb and and just not worry about it and then go back and read like okay why is this what's the history here how did these people come to be where they are and what is it like and you know and all that stuff and and it's just in it's 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 a it's a different way that i think most people don't think about doing and i I would encourage people to do that okay i like that yeah well that kind of that kind of ties into our fourth question which is tell us one thing travelers should not do (laughs) too much research no i i think that travelers should uh, not go to food options that they can get back home. <laughs> I like that one a lot. Uh, unless yeah. you're living in a place and you're, you're missing home food or whatever, but yeah. like, 
but like, come on, man, like you don't need Sabaros because you're in Amsterdam. Like, like, like you just don't, like, <laughs> like you can survive. And like, I, I, I get it. Okay, fine. You want to try like what, you know, Beijing considers to be a bagel. Sure. Go for it. You know, but like, don't look at it as like, I must go get a burger because I'm, you know, so far from home. Like, get it when you get home. Yeah. Well, isn't <laughs> yeah. it a thing? Like, isn't traveling to all the hard rock locations something people do? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Look, and food food is a destination. I mean, fully, yeah. fully supportive of it. Um, I mean, not necessarily hard rock cafes. I mean, they're they are what they are. They're you know, they're pretty standardized, but but uh, you know, my fiance works in the in the wine industry and and food and taste are kind of her jam. Like that's that's everything for her. And uh, and I thought I was a foodie till we started dating. So <laughs> then I realized I was nothing. But now, but now when we go places, <laughs> you know not not just not a foodie, but you you were just I was nothing. nothing. I was nothing. I thought I liked good food. I, I was, I was eating trash. So, <laughs> um, so we, uh, you know, now when we go places, you know, she'll spend hours or days researching all the restaurants to go to and not just restaurants, but street food and, you know, interesting types of food and all this different stuff. But what are the specialties of these, of these regions? And, uh, and I know this is contradicting a little bit what we were just talking about of showing up to a place without much preparation, but when it comes to food, it's worth it. Uh, you know, we went to Mexico City just a few weeks ago, and we in one day went to nine different food locations. Um, and you know, most of them were like street food taco stand kind of places. Uh, and you know, you get a taco and just take a couple bites and pass it. You know, it's it wasn't like we were having full meals. Yeah. But but just to be able to know where all those are and be able to seek them out and then just try these really interesting things you can't get anywhere else or just the best of something that you know is is from that neighborhood mm -hmm. uh is is awesome and it's um you know so 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 step outside your comfort zone you don't you don't need to go to mcdonald's you don't need to go to uh you know the fast food place you like and you don't even need to seek out a burger because you miss a burger just go and try stuff that's local enjoy it you know make the most of it and you know and then you know get your burger when you come home <laughs> all right Love it. And the last question, what is one piece of advice you would give to yourself 10 years ago? 10 years ago, what was 10 years ago, 2012? Uh, one piece of advice I would give to myself. Uh, I would say, if you have the opportunity to go somewhere, do it. Um, you'll never regret going, but you'll often regret not going. So personal example, literally from 10 years ago, I had an opportunity to go into at what the t at the time was a very peaceful Syria and Iraq, um, and and I chose not to. Um, I had other things to do, and I was like, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I already have this thing booked, but it was a really cool opportunity. Last minute, I decided to turn it down. Within a few months, even actually, ISIS kind of sort of hit started their rise, and and that was you know, and that whole region, which used to be this incredible you know peaceful relaxed place, you know, is now sort of part of a huge civil war, part of, uh, you know, an area that's, that's pretty war-torn that hadn't been for a long time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wish I had gone uh, and I wish I, I had seen it. Uh, you know, that same year, actually, I lived in Ukraine for a little bit and uh, I, was, I was fortunate enough to see Ukraine and get to know it and fall in love with that country because, you know, if you had the opportunity to go up until a few months ago, you know, you've, you've missed a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, those sorts of things. So if you have the opportunity, you know, go, um, traveling is really not as expensive as people think. You don't have to stay in a five-star hotel. Um, usually the most expensive thing is just getting there.
Yep. Um, yep. And, and once you're there, it's, it's cheaper than where you were. So, uh, so yeah, if you have the opportunity, go. All right. Marshall, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Learned a lot. Uh, can't wait to talk to you again. Can't wait to watch what you're doing. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks, Bob. I, I really appreciate it. And, um, it's been, uh, it's been just amazing. Um, uh, love, love chatting with you guys. So we'll have to do this again, uh, because yes, either over a couple of beers, but then, you know, we'll do something on the Island as well. Yep. Love it. All right. Thanks, Marshall. Let's go. Yeah. It looks like we're taking a trip to coffee key. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in, uh, I want to go to Belize anyway. So I, I, I there's know. really no reason to not go to this Island. It's pretty incredible. What a great story. What like a, yeah. a, a really awesome way to, I don't know, use your money and buy an island. Like, I just love the whole idea, the process of it. It was a great conversation. I hope as a, as like all of the, any, if there are any young geographers or any like sustainable individuals that are about to go to college or in college, I feel like this is going to be something that's going to be taught in the future in one of those sustainable geog classes. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be pretty neat. I could see that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast. If you're listening to this and you want to support us, the best way to do that would be to just share the episode, comment, like, subscribe, do all the things that satisfy the social media algorithm so that our show can grow. Uh, and if you do want to support us in a financial way, there is a link on our Instagram and in the show notes of the episode to send us a dollar for a coffee, maybe support the podcast, uh, the software programs we buy, the time we invest in developing the episodes and things like that. Uh, regardless of what you decide to do, we're happy that you listen and stay safe and tune in next week.